us in worship. We've been getting some great feedback about our new sermon series, Villains. Every week we're taking a look at villains, and today we're going to be looking at false uh, prophets, false prophets, and how can you distinguish them. Chances are, in, at some level, let's just say on the spectrum, um, we've all probably led some people astray at times, and um, hopefully we can look at the truth today and we can then compare notes and maybe if we've allowed any falsehood into the breathing space of our lives we could learn how to distinguish that and then remove it because the consequences can be severe. As we begin this morning um, I'm going to put my number up here on the screen and if you wouldn't mind taking your phones out it's the only time you'll be allowed to have your phones out in church. Um, the rest of the time the monitors will come by and slap them out of your hands if you're setting your fantasy lineup during the sermon. Um, but um, I'm going to ask a question, and, and then you're going to be able to answer this. And so while I'm setting it up, the question that I want you to text me back in one sentence, I don't need a paragraph, I don't have time for that, but a, a short sentence summarizing what is the funniest slash, I don't know, uh, haphazard-est thing that you've ever gotten someone to do, that you led them astray, or you could say, I guess, what you got led astray to do. Keep it PG-13. Now, question I want to ask while you're mulling that over, have you ever been in a relationship with the wrong person? By show of hands, if you've ever been in the relationship with, yeah, of course, you know, hopefully it's not the person you're sitting beside, because that'd be awkward for both of us. And so um, as we're thinking about that, sometimes we, we don't know. It's like hindsight, right? Like at the time, you might have thought that you were in the right relationship. But then when you look back, you're like, that was a wrong relationship. Um, and maybe even people are trying to tell you it's a wrong relationship, but you're determined it's a right relationship. So I thought I would try to break it down for any of my single people in the house. And I was like, you know, what, what could I show them that could could demonstrate concretely, um, like, how do I know if I'm in a relationship with the wrong person? So while you're texting me those examples, I want you to watch this video. And as we watch it, I think that you'll see, like, if you are in a relationship with a person who does this to you, this is a person you need to move away from in the relationship spectrum. So with that roll clip. No other females jumped in here, have they? No. You know it's going to be scary, but you know you're going to be okay. And that's a all that matters is that you will be okay. <laughs> you know, most girlfriends don't have to have this talk with their boyfriends. <laughs> okay. It's all you, honey. Leave yet. Okay. Uh, you don't have to jump if you don't want to. I don't know if I want to. But you know, this will be the coolest single experience of your life. You know, this is also the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. No, I don't. Take a six inch step to the right. Just not right there on the edge. Just like that. Honey, I don't want to do it. Put the two hands on the rope. No, I love you, right? No, please don't push me off. Please right, don't. I am not. I'm right here. I'm not. I'm right here. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to push you. But if you stand here for more than 10 more seconds, I will. <laughs> Three. Two. Honey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> What'd she say? <laughs> I just got dumped. <laughs> so much, right? 
so much. I could just preach that. Um, so a false prophet always has a promise and then a push, right? <laughs> a promise and then a push. I will never, I would never. I love you, baby. I love you so much. You're so pretty. You're so awesome. I would never. And then just, just a little closer. Just, just a little closer. And I just want you to be thinking about today the motives behind the people that are influencing your life. What, what is their goal for you? Um, Jesus actually said this. He said, can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into the pit or in other versions, the ditch? If the, the blind is guiding the blind, then they're both going to fall into the ditch. As I was watching that video, I thought, man, that is a great execution for our purposes of creating an analogy for a false prophet. Someone claiming one thing and then pushing you, maybe subtly, toward the edge, and then something terrible is on the other side of that edge. I, as the pastor of Genesis Metro, do not want you to experience the false prophet. I don't want you to fall over the cliff. I want you to be able to see it coming, eyes wide open. Whenever we think about a blind person guiding another blind person, he said the consequences end up being the same. And so whenever I'm looking to who's going to guide me in my life, I have to evaluate a couple of things. If, if they don't have vision, he says, then both of you are going to end up in the ditch. So I have to ask, where have they been? And then where are they going? So if I'm going to follow someone, I, I, I got I to gotta critically analyze, like, where are, like, have they, do they have something in their life that they can show me? Like, if you're going to ask for marital advice, have they had a track record of a good marriage? If, they, if they're your financial advisor, do they have a track record? I mean, you've got to have some analysis that goes on to which you could project because the, most, the best predictor of future behavior is what? It's past behavior. So here Jesus is saying, if you're following someone who doesn't have vision, someone that's blind, you're both going to end up in the ditch. So we can think about ourselves and and I want you to know that before I read this next passage and we jump off into it, that a person who calls himself a preacher and has a microphone in their hand does not qualify someone to be your leader. You need to always be critically analyzing. When you walk into a church, it doesn't mean that all preachers are going to preach the truth. So you have to ask yourself, what word are they presenting to me? Are they preaching God's word? Are they basing everything off God's word or their opinion or speculation or inference and then you have to be in your word to know the truth, to then to be able to divide the truth, compare the truth, analyze the truth, and then say, is that a false prophet or is that not a false prophet? Is that a person preaching God's word or is that a person that's pretending to preach God's word? So Jesus went on in his Sermon on the Mount, his first sermon, he included a teaching on false prophets. He said, watch out, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? That's fruit from someplace that is fruitless? He said, no. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He said, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, 
you will recognize them. You know, sometimes you're in a relationship with someone or you're being sold something or you're working at a company, wherever it may be, and eventually you're going to get this sixth sense, right? And I'm going to call this something isn't right. Something doesn't feel right. Have you ever, you ever been in that situation? Like someone's trying to sell you a car and they are giving you a deal that they have not even thought about offering anyone else. Like, you have to like think about that, right? Do you think that's true? Do you think, like, are they there for you to get a good deal or are they there to make money? Which one is it? All right, you know, so, so at some junction, you might wanna just qualify it like, okay, is this person telling me the truth? There's an old saying, if it's too good to be true, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so you, we all love flattery. We love believing. And sometimes that naivety is, is taken advantage of. And here he said that you need to be able to judge them by their fruits. Like you got to look at what's on this tree. And if something isn't right, he said the outside, what you're seeing is like a little baby lamb. Like who doesn't want to go to the old petting zoo? Little baby, little baby lamb. He said, but on the inside, they're ravenous, ferocious wolves. So the outside, what you're seeing, doesn't match the inside of who they are. Man, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Because when the outside isn't matching the inside, we oftentimes want to justify. We, we want to make excuses for them. Have you ever been in that situation? Look at, look at the illustration he gives. He, said, he talks about the root of the tree. And we know that the root is always going to determine the fruit. And he says, every tree that's a good fruit bears good trees. And he gives another farming analogy. He says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear, uh, bear good fruit. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? I want you to think about that for just a moment. If you were to go and pick a grape, I started thinking, like, why do we keep reaching in wrong places expecting to find right things? Do you think we do that? Imagine you're in a wrong relationship, whether it's a boss, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's a neighborhood relationship. People are just bad influences. They're, they're rooted in falsehood, and they're leading you astray. But you keep reaching, believing the next time you reach into that wrong place, now it's going to be a right thing. Look at this picture of thorns. I want you to think about that you're trying to get a grape and you keep reaching into this. And we do this all the time and we justify it. We say, no, 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 this time it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. But they keep proving to you who they are. They keep showing you what they are. And so at some juncture, it's, it's us. We are deceiving ourselves by allowing wolves into our lives. He said, you got to judge the fruit that's on the tree. In order to judge the fruit, you got to go all the way down underneath the surface to the root. 
And he goes, because if it's a good root, it's going to produce good fruit. But whenever it's a false fruit, it's bad fruit, you've got to know that the root of that is evil. And so whenever you begin to distinguish now good and evil, you can be able to decide where you're going to follow. Where do you fit in? And then you might have to remove some things from your life. Whenever the outside doesn't match the inside, a lot of times you have to, you have to sit there and, and ask yourself, I got to dig a little deeper. You know, I can't, I can't just take things at face value. Imagine in dating, if you always took things at face value. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be terrible? Wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, you know what? Let's just imagine like in 2060 that they invent an app and this app, it just has pictures of people and you could like swipe left or right and that would determine whether or not you were in a relationship with this person. And, and this relationship would just be to hook up but it wouldn't be about an emotional connection. There wouldn't be any spiritual boundaries. Let's just imagine in the far distant future, there was an app that existed like this. And let's imagine that, you know, people that were single, that they were, they were indulging themselves in this app. And then what would be the fruit of that? Because then you connect at the highest level and and then you, you say to yourself, well, I actually like this person. Now I want this relationship to change, and I want this person to be faithful to only me. But you started off with the highest part of the relationship, the highest connected part first, instead of the emotional connection and the spiritual connection with the boundaries, and then saving the physical gratification for the boundaries of marriage. You inverted the process, but now you're trying to take what started off as a bad seed with a bad process that was self-satisfying, and now you want to move it, and you want that person to be completely connected to just you when you already validated their false values. What I'm trying to say is that can happen. That can happen. That can happen. He's like, Jesus is trying to tell you, like, how then are you going to get good tree or good fruit off this bad tree? See, at some point, if you want truly to change, you got to change the root. You, you have to change from the inside out in order for it to be lasting change. And if you are around people that have a bad root that are constantly leading you astray, you're going to have to make some decisions on relationships that you might have to move away from. So whenever we think about this false prophet concept, it plays itself out in the scripture several times. We know that Elijah went against the prophets of Baal, but the one I want to talk about today is housed in 1 Kings 22, and I'm going to call this an inception sandwich. Does anybody familiar with the movie Inception? Anybody remember? Okay, it's like Inception was this movie concept that um, they believed you could go down into someone's cerebellum, right? And several layers deep down into their dream state, you could plant an idea. And that that idea, if you went deep enough down into the subcortex of the brain, would become original inspiration. And when they woke up, that would then become their reality, even though it was planted there by someone else. And you had to go five layers down, okay? If you think that's something, man, when you read, if, if I took the time and I don't have time, believe you me, I wish I had the time, 
but I don't have the time to read you this whole thing. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version, and let's everybody take a deep breath on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, now you hold it till I get done. And so, <laughs> Naboth, okay, Naboth. Everybody say Naboth, 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 Naboth. That's a weird name. Naboth had a vineyard. He was a little farmer guy, good guy, good guy, honest guy. And he had a little farm outside of the king's castle. And there was this wicked king on the throne named Ahab. And he was married to the most wicked woman in the Bible. Guys, have you ever... Oh, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but the wicked woman will mess you up. And the church said, Amen. 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 Does anybody remember her name? Jezebel. Not one woman in here named Jezebel. <laughs> they work at a different establishment. And so whenever we think about Jezebel, she was this wicked woman, and she was married to Ahab. And it says that one day Ahab was out on his walk outside his king's castle place, and he sees Naboth's vineyard, and I don't know, he had great tomatoes. And so there he was, he's taking care of his garden, and, and Ahab was like, I want this. And being the king... If I want it, I just take it. And I say, hey, Naboth, I want your vineyard. How much? Money's no object. He's like, man, it's not for sale. And technically speaking, you know, God gave us an inheritance for our, each of our families, and we're supposed to keep this as our inheritance to manage it um, for God, and da-da-da-da. And, and Ahab, it says, went home, and he pouted. Oh. Anybody ever had any husbands pout? Anybody in here? <laughs> Cowboys Dad broke his ankle. <laughs> Sooners lost two times. <laughs> That's an example of what could be a reality. And so here Ahab comes and he's, he's pouting. And Jezebel. Jezebel's like, babe. Babe. Honey, what's wrong? Naboth won't give me his vineyard. I really liked his vineyard. Well, you're the king. You know what, baby? I'll take care of this. Oh, oh, Jezebel. She writes these false charges up against Naboth, says he's done some illegal things. And then she has false witnesses corroborate the false charges. And then Naboth is sentenced to die, and he gets stoned to death. Fear not, the righteous have an advocate. And Elijah, the prophet, proclaims to Ahab as a result of your wickedness in killing this innocent man that the blood of the righteous cries out from the earth to be redeemed. And he said, one day you're going to die and the dogs are going to lick up your blood. Now I know, I know, harsh, harsh. And then four years later, this incident occurs that we're going to overview this morning. Here is the incident. The only time I believe in Israel's history that the northern king asked the help of the southern king and they form an alliance against a common opponent named Aram. And so Ahab solicits Jehoshaphat, who was a good king, a godly king, to join forces with him, which I'm just going to say, don't join the wicked in battle. Never a good thing. Never a good thing. False people lead to 
formidable foes that ultimately lead to terrible consequences. He joins up with Ahab, but he says, before we go out to battle, shouldn't we inquire of the Lord? Now, have you ever noticed that when you say to someone, I'm going to pray about it, and when certain people say, you're in my prayers, do you ever feel like some people mean that and other people don't? Is anybody ever, like on TV, if they say like T's and P's, like anybody, you seen that? Like thoughts and prayers? We don't even say thoughts and prayers, we just say T's and P's. Like, like, is this sportscaster really praying for me? Do you guys think he is? Do you think he, he really, I don't, you know, I'm not so sure he's praying for me. And so, uh, as we're thinking about this, uh, Ahab says, okay, yeah, of course. Of course we'll inquire of the Lord. Now, if you have assembled 400 false prophets, they are inquiring of their Lord, but it is not the Lord. So you just want to make sure that you're always praying to the same God before you ask someone to pray for you because they might give you a message <laughs> that's not of the Lord. And so the false prophets tell Ahab, hey, go out to battle. You got this. It's you. You're going to win, boo. And so they... They have a leader that steps to the forefront, and his name is Zedekiah, Zedekiah, Zedekiah. And he is the son of, he's got a weird dad's name, Kanana, all right? We'll just call him Nana, Nana. Okay, so we'll go Kanana. So Zedekiah, the son of Kanana, he makes these little horns. And have you ever seen a tryhard? Does anybody know what a tryhard is? It's like, you remember that kid in fifth grade whose dad was a graduate of MIT and he made some incredible like science fair project and then you had like a windmill that you had to blow on for it to like turn? Like that's this guy. He like has a prop, you know, for his story and he's got these horns made out of iron. He's like, with these horns, you will gore your enemy and you will triumph. Oh, King Ahab. And Ahab is like feeling good, you know, just pat me on the back. Thank you. And Jehoshaphat has this sixth sense that we're talking about. He's like, something's not right. Something's not right. And he feels like he's kind of getting pushed to the edge. And like, I will never push you. I'll never push you. And, and he says, well, do you have any prophets of the Lord? So somehow Jehoshaphat was able to distinguish a false prophet, 400 of them with little props and a real prophet, and Ahab has an interesting comeback. He says, yeah, yeah, we got one. His name's Micaiah, but he never, he never tells me anything good. <laughs> he, he's not like down with evil and, and, you know, genocide and, you know, murdering Naboth. And so, uh, you know, I, so I never really ask him because I know what he's going to say. And so he's like, well, go get him. And so they go get Micaiah, and they actually prep him before he goes before the king. And they say, hey, everybody else has already told him we're going to win. You need to agree with him. So I love the Bible because it includes all the little good nuggets. And it tells you things that are funny and sarcasm, completely legal in the Bible. If you ever want to know why I do it, I'm practicing what the Bible preaches, okay? <laughs> Because Micaiah literally walks out. He's like, yeah, go ahead. You got it. You got it. Go ahead. Yeah, do what they say. And Ahab, the wicked king, is able to discern the sarcasm. And he says to the man of God, 
How many times do I have to tell you, tell me the truth, tell me where I stand? Isn't there some irony? This is like inception sandwich on 10. What's going on here? The man of God wants to tell the truth. The wicked king doesn't want to hear the truth, but he wants to hear the truth even though he doesn't want to hear the truth. It's almost like how I preach to you in this room is what I feel like, is what I'm trying to say. It's like you kind of want to hear the truth, but you kind of don't want to hear the truth. As long as it's a truth that you already are aligned with, then if it's a truth that you don't like, it's like, oh, he always tells me something bad. Every time I go down there, he preaches just to me. I, I get it. I get it, okay? I'm having this conversation in my head before I have it with you, okay? So here is this king. He's like, tell me the truth. And then Micaiah's like, you know what I saw? He said, I saw in the thrones of heaven that your number came up. And God said to the angels, how are we going to deceive him in going out in this battle? And one of the angels stood up and said, I'll entice him. I'll deceive him. I'll send a lying word into his false prophets, and that will draw him to his death that was already prophesied by Elijah. And so this false prophet goes out, and he tells the king he's got it, and then Micaiah says this, and it says that Zedekiah from Nananana walked up to Micaiah and slapped him in the face and said, how did the Spirit of God come and talk to you? Did it leave me to come talk to you? And they said, put him in prison. This is what Zedekiah and Ahab pronounced. Put him in prison and feed him only bread and water until I return. Oh, look at this. I'm going to read this. This is worth reading. Watch this. Verse 28. Up there. Say amen if it's up there. If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. <laughs> I love it. Tell me that ain't some Braveheart stuff right there. Like he just like looks at all of them like, all, oh, you just remember this day, all you people, all you people, mark my word. So they go out to the battle and it says that Jeho Jehoshaphat, he wears the kingly, they, he had the special suit where they know that's the king. But Ahab, even though he says he doesn't believe the man of God, tells Jehoshaphat, you know what, I'm, but I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear like a normal soldier's outfit, you know, and it's kind of like, just in case, you know, just, just in case Micaiah's right, I'm going to wear normal clothes. So they go out into the battle and the enemy king, Aram, he says to all of his charioteers, train your arrows on the king. So they start pursuing after Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat almost dies. Why? Because he was hanging out with the wolf. All right? If you hang out with the wolf, the arrows are coming for you. And so they start pursuing Jehoshaphat. And he's like, oh, stop, please, don't kill me. And they're like, oh, that's not the king of Israel. That's the king of Judah. That's not who we're after. And so they all started to turn around and head back to their king to regroup. And it says, but one soldier drew an arrow at random and let it go. Oh my gosh. It seems random, doesn't it? It seems random, doesn't it? It says that this arrow, it was in the air a long time, it said it hit Ahab at the perfect, just between the creases of his armor. 
and wounded him unto death. Says his charioteer pulls over to the side and they pull up and he sits down in his chariot and his blood flows on the ground and guess what? There's some dogs there. Gross, I know. But man, if you're having to choose between the man of God and the guy who tells you what you want to hear, when I consider this story, I have to tell myself, if I follow falsehood, then the random arrow is going to become my reality. And I bet all of us in here have felt the sting of falsehood and the arrow that hits us where we are most vulnerable because we allowed somebody with poison on their lips to prophesy and they gave us a promise, but then they pushed us at the most inconvenient, inopportune time to our detriment. God is saying to you that there is a way to avoid this type of pain, this type of hurt, this type of heartache. And it starts with you beginning to look at the fruit that's on the tree. Don't believe your lying eyes. You have to go down and say, are they producing the things of God? Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Where have they been? Is going to determine where are they going. And if they have a track record of being godly, of being good, of being kind, of, of preferring others ahead of themselves, of elevating God's word above all else, man, I say follow them. But if you're allowing falsehood masquerading as truth to be the guide in your life, man, that arrow, it's just a matter of time. I pray today that you would hear this truth because whenever the news reached the throne, Zedekiah had to go back down there and have a conversation with Micaiah. Micaiah's like, if the king comes back, then God has not spoken to me. But what did he say? Mark my words. And you know that was a sweet day because old Zedekiah came walking down to the dungeon letting him out. And he's like, oh yeah, you're Zedekiah, son of Kanana, na 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 hey 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 goodbye Ahab is dead oh that's why you're here so God's word wins and uh, falsehood loses that's the that's the message of the day let's pray father we ask in the name of Jesus that we would be able to discern the truth from a lie even when falsehood is wrapped in safety, even when it's wrapped in a garment so kind, so gentle, it looks like a lamb. But underneath the surface, it's all a lie. I pray, God, that we'd be able to know the truth and that your truth would set us free. That if some false prophet is pushing people in this room toward the edge, that they would be able to see God with open eyes, the truth. That they would separate themselves from the person who's leading them down the wrong path, that's leading them toward destruction. And God, they would turn to you and receive your gift of grace, of purpose, of value, and that God, you will never lead us astray. Would you guys stand as we worship?